Welcome to the 79th episode of Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. I am your host, Josh Molina, and today we've got a very special episode. I'm going to be sitting down with Duraka Lara Morhall. Duraka is a big thinker on all things politics. He's the former chair of the Santa Barbara County Democratic Party. He's the former secretary and former vice chair of the statewide California Democratic Party. And he's super knowledgeable on all things politics, local, statewide, nationally, globally. Uh, he's a former um, adjunct uh, teacher at Santa Barbara City College. And he's a doctorate from UCSB. And he's somebody who I've known a long time. I wrote a profile on him way back when, early 2000s, when I was at the news press. And uh learned a lot about him. And ever since then, you know, we've had sort of this professional relationship where we can kind of push back on each other. He's a good source of mine. He's not hesitant to criticize how I might portray something in uh, one of my stories in local media. But I do have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Back during the ethical issues at the news press, you know, Draco was right there supporting all the employees as they were looking to unionize, as they were looking to resign, as they were looking to figure out a better way. And while people privately said they were in favor of the cause, Draco publicly was very much in support of the workers. So I have a lot of respect for him. We don't agree on everything, nor should we, but this is going to be a really good episode. And uh, Draco is just going to lay down the hammer on what's going on in the city of Santa Barbara. So thanks again. If you are ex an exclusive listener of this podcast through SoundCloud or Apple or Google, whatever streaming platform, I'd encourage you to watch them. You can visit my YouTube channel, Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. Just go to YouTube and search it. And please subscribe. I'm trying to reach 200 subscribers. I'm a little bit under 160 right now. And the more subscribers I get, the closer I get to monetization on YouTube. And uh, this is my own endeavor. This is not affiliated with any news outlet. This is what I am doing. And I'm trying to do what I can to be a journalist in 2021, which means you, means you need to have multiple platforms. And I uh, do uh, work with people on sponsorships. I have sponsors. And uh, monetization would be great on YouTube, but we got a ways to go there. But the quickest way to get there is just build up that subscriber count. So please, uh, please subscribe on my YouTube channel and subscribe if you're listening to this on any of the streaming platforms. So without further ado, let's talk to Dr. Duraka Laramore Hall. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. I am here today with Duraka Laramore Hall, uh, one of my longtime buddies, uh, professional colleague source, but we've, we've been through a lot over the years. You know, we've <laughs> argued a lot. We might argue today. For uh, sure. You know, he was supportive of uh, me back in the old news press days when they had all those ethical issues and all those resignations. So, and we both grew up here in Santa Barbara, Galita. We're local local guys who stayed here. So um, I always enjoy talking to you, Draka. How are you doing today? Good, good. Happy to good. be here. Looking forward to it. Good. Well, you know that, um, you know, I think you're just, you know, totally like progressive and smart and great speaker and you understand all the political stuff really well. And so I want to just dive right in there. We're in the middle of a mayor's race, uh, city council race, you know, Santa Barbara. It's where we're from. It's, you know, what we care about. 
Um, let's let me talk to you. You know, you've, you're the former chair of the Santa Barbara County Democratic Party. You've had a whole number of high profile positions with the state party. Um, you know, you are somebody who's a big thinker about these things. What's your take on the mayor's race? Uh, Kathy Murillo, right? Democratic Party endorsed uh, by them now back to back running for a second term. And, um, you know, she's She's face. Is she facing a challenge? I mean, are you concerned Randy Rouse is going to take this? Where are you at with all this? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm concerned. Um, I think uh, anybody following a race like this um, has to be concerned because it's an off cycle race. Think, think the the good folks in Sacramento. It will be our last off cycle race mm-hmm. um, because they uh, will become illegal as they should have been long ago. Um, <laughs> So, you know, turnout is going to be uh, is going to favor more conservative candidates traditionally. Um, And especially since we just had a recall uh, election, um, you know, there's lots of reasons to worry about um, conservatives, conservative candidates overperforming in a city council race. So, um, so, yeah, definitely concerned. I've been out knocking on doors for Kathy and for the other endorsed Democrats. Um, and, uh, you know, trying to pay attention to the, to the scuttlebutt, so to speak. Um, but I mean, my general take is that I I think Kathy has been doing a a good job on the things that, you know, actually matter to real people in Santa Barbara. I think there's a really strange, and and I'm interested to hear your take, um, as a journalist, because I'm sure you're talking to people, but there's this weird, vague, I don't know, ennui about Kathy and the world that I've heard, you know, both out on doors and from, you know, kind of self-appointed opinion makers in town that are just, you know, it's just like, you know, COVID has been rough and the debris flow and the, you know, the tragedy that we had in Montecito and so forth. And Kathy just hasn't fixed it all miraculously or something. And I just feel weird uneasiness. And so let me take that out in the mayor's position, which is really just one, one more, one vote (laughs) um, (laughs) without any kind of real executive power. So there's this like vague, I don't know, just like goalpost moving weird expectations around Kathy as an individual and in her tenure as mayor um, that I think some, you know, other Democrats uh, locally got a, got whiff of. And so we're like, Hey, why not me? I should run too. Um, Totally irresponsibly. And nobody has any real political, I mean, I mean, can I just say that 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 endorsement of James Joyce in the Santa Barbara Independent and the the editorial that came with it was just like a masterwork of vapid prose and just like saying nothing. I mean, so I mean, but I think it like put in a nutshell where Kathy's at in the race, which is people are like, hey, she's really progressive and she's stood up for people who normally are ignored in this city and she's done a good job and things have gotten done. But I just feel like the mayor should make me feel good in some way and she doesn't or something. So we should have a mayor that makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. So dump her and vote for somebody else. I mean, that was it in a nutshell. Um, it, so was, it was, it was it's a weird. It's a weird race. It's not about, you know, it's not about policy. Um, it's this weird kind of vague personality stuff. Do you feel as though every time, somebody says i'm going to vote for james joyce that means randy's chances of winning this thing grow greater well if you can so if you think that there's a there's a block of you know 
conservative voters in Santa Barbara who don't like Kathy's pro-environment, pro-social justice, pro-worker policies that want a more conservative mayor. Um, and then uh, there's people who don't want that. The people who don't want a conservative mayor is the majority. And um, James, Joyce, and Deborah Schwartz are both trying to get some of that non-conservative vote as well. So um, it can't help but hurt Kathy in what should be just a, you know, a straight conservative versus progressive election that gives, you know, the actual people of Santa Barbara a chance to, to decide what kind of direction they want. All this, like, let's turn this all about personalities and vague bullshit that isn't about policy um, is all really disempowering to voters ultimately. Um, because yeah, then they're choosing between these like styles or um, yeah, sort of vague things they read about or hear third hand. Um, and, you know, that's, that's good for, that's good for moving us, uh, us backwards. Do you have any criticisms of Kathy Murillo as a mayor over the last four years? I have criticism. I mean, sure. Um, I think, I mean, the one that comes to mind and like everybody talks about, I have as a criticism, but it's not a particularly harsh criticism because I don't, you know, it was a, just a kind of shit show in a difficult situation, but she definitely could have handled the um, events around black lives matter protests in Santa Barbara better. Um, and uh, yeah, cause you, you know, that's another thing you hear around again, never about the policy, not about the, you know, groundbreaking work that she and the other, the rest of the council have done um, on police accountability. Um, but again, some kind of vague, she didn't make people feel the way they wanted the mayor to make them feel about that issue. And that was true of, you know, police critical um, Black Lives Matter protesters, um, as well as um, other folks kind of just consuming the news passively out in the community. Yeah. Um, so she could have handled that better. Um, you know, I, I, I think honestly, sometimes Kathy does goes too far in worrying about what gadflies with no real base or coherent political opinion like um, Jerry Roberts thinks. Um, and I think she could be a little sort of just like stronger on her own feet, but, you know, I judged the mayor and the city council based on the votes and the policy. And overall, this has been a strong council, a good council with governing and in incredibly horrible times and, um, you know, dealing with some, some difficult issues, but look, look at what we've gotten. We've gotten some real progress on police reform. Um, uh, we're, we're part of the way out of the gates where we need to be in terms of tenants rights um, we've got a community choice energy scheme up that we're part of, that the city's part of city passed a historic, um, project labor agreement, um, to keep, uh, construction jobs local and highly skilled, um, which is incredibly important for, um, fighting the race to the bottom and the impoverishment of the workforce in the state. So, I mean, this is like good stuff, deliverable things for the community, um, uh, and I think that's what's the most important. So, yeah, when it comes to the to votes, the things that I think matter the most, I don't have much of a criticism. I think she's been good. There's this there, people criticize Kathy for a lot of reasons. You know, as a reporter, I have some my some observations. It's very yeah. Yeah, what do you hear? But, you know, the biggest thing that I hear is, oh, she doesn't want to reach out to the people who don't disagree with her. 
to who don't agree with her. So she doesn't reach out to the conservatives, the property owners, the business owners. She's not doing enough to sort of build consensus, right? That she's only a leader for people who agree with her. But as mayor, she's not trying to bring in these other moderates and conservatives to the table. That's a criticism you hear. Uh, she's not a consensus builder. And then there are some- which mayor, Yeah, which mayor did that? Right. Which mayor, which mayor we had was a policy leader, even. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like an insane, weird, new set of abstract criteria that they're putting on the mayor. You could you, say I mean, Helene Schneider, at least for the first term before everything fell apart. Um, she slid back and forth like she could hang with the progressives and then she could kind of hang with the. <laughs> sort of the moderates to the rights. Would you say that in your recollection or not really? I don't know what that even means. Hang with yeah. like they don't, they can't hang together with the Brown act. Like it, they can't even <laughs> do what we think of as like a, a normal partisan um, governance project because of, you know, the fact that they can't have meetings about city policy um, in groups that could, that could form a majority. So um, what I saw was, Mayor Schneider would pander to voters of different groups, mm-hmm. um, if that's what you mean. And and Kathy doesn't pander; she just is like, "Here's my platform, yeah. um, and here's what it, what I stand for." It, no, so I don't. If if someone could give me, and I haven't heard one, like here was a policy that the city was working on, and she only listened to her base, which I guess is what, like working families, renters. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the independent was like, she only talks to her base. I'm not sure what that means, but so who were the people that were left out of what policy dis- discussion? Well, I guess the PLA, okay. The project labor agreement, if you're against the PLA, those people probably feel as though Kathy had her mind made up from the beginning. And they said that at the public. Well, hopefully comment. she did. Yeah. Because the, the way that this democracy is supposed to work is that people are like, I stand for X, Y, and Z, and then we vote for them or not. Not we vote for someone who's going to have no opinions on things. We don't know where they're going to stand. And then they're just going to go and talk to everyone and come down. on things. I mean, like that model of city governance or that that mythology of city government is like how Randy Rouse talks about politics. It's how, unfortunately, very sadly, James Joyce has started to talk about politics. And it's, a number one, a very undemocratic way of thinking things because it totally disempowers voters. It's just like vote for the guy that you like the cut of his jib and just he'll make the good decisions. And secondly, it's incredibly naive about how power works in this city. So, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, it's true that like employers, landlords, um, and, you know, wealthy folks in this community, if there isn't an organized uh, movement of working class people in the labor movement or renters now with the tenants, tenants union, if that doesn't exist, the status quo, the, the just sort of default is for all of those folks to be running the show and running city hall and running city politics because they have the power in the economy. They have the power to fund campaigns. I mean, they, they're look they're the It's the, the real estate industry that's funding uh, Nina's campaign, for example. So like, I, I just, so when it's hard for me to muster the sympathy of like, well, Kathy Maria, a progressive Democrat, who's always stood by labor and the rights of people to organize, who's always thought that uh, unionized labor is good for the community, who's all of those things. 
like that she didn't what pretend that she didn't have those opinions in mm. meetings with contractors so that they felt good i mean it just doesn't hold up mm. well can we talk a little bit about race and gender um sure. so so how much of the kathy criticism is she's a woman and she's a mexican-american woman do you think that that's fueling some of the animosity toward her at all Yes. And, and let me be, yes, I do. And let me first say that it, it, it it's totally possible that it, it fuels it in ways that I don't, I'm not even aware of, mm-hmm. um, especially on the gender tip. I'm a man and I'm sure that there's sexist stuff that goes on in the world that I just, I miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ways that it occurs to me, it seems really obvious to me is one, this weird double standard of like, I, I don't, these incoherent criticisms that she didn't, I don't know, fix COVID or something feels like something that's very gendered in particular of just like, and then, then I also think that for the business interests in town and for some voters that they're just like, I'm going to close my eyes right now and think about what a mayor, a strong leader mayor looks like. And then they do that. And that's not Kathy, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not, uh latina uh, you know who speaks plainly um um clearly like comes from a working class background all, all of these things little hippie-ish like none of none of the things about kathy are what you you know are the like cookie cutter politician so um so i think that is a way that she is fighting against sexist and racist um expectations of what uh, a politician is um you know, I, I don't think that the way that racism functions in Calif- in Santa Barbara politics is, you know, uh, the kind of uh, blatant outright uh, uh, racism or, or uh, spoken animosity towards Latinos that you might see um, in other parts of the state. It's far more polite and par- far more subtle. Um, and, uh, but it's very much there. And so, yes, I think... Kathy's had double standards to live up to as a woman and a Latina, um, you know, and then there's all kinds of extra stuff that I'm probably not super qualified to talk about, but that I, I think you and I have talked about and, and observed about Santa Barbara, right? Which is that there's, you know, infighting and competition and, and, and tensions within the Mexican American community within the Latino community, which isn't just Mexican Americans. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, so there are folks that if they disagree with her about one thing or another are like, well, she's not, you know, Latinx enough. She's not Chicana enough. She's not Mexican enough. Um, uh, and, you know, that, that's just like not a thing that the white candidates have to think about or worry about. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, she's, she's uh doesn't speak Spanish like fluently. So she get judged by that group, you know, right. she's not authentic there, but then, you know, you can have somebody call her in the middle of the street that she's white passing, you know, and like, that's not something, no one's like, Randy, you're white passing. Like no one would ever yeah. say that, you know, like it's not. So there are certain things that people, um, Latinos, Latinas, Mexican Americans, they feel judged by that. Not everybody else gets. So 
So then the next step is like, oh, Josh and Duraka are talking about, oh, there's racism as it relates to Kathy. But we like James Joyce. You know, he's an mm-hmm. African-American guy. So so we're not racist because, you know, we like him. Can you talk a little bit about James Joyce's candidacy and 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 what is it about him that that some people are sort of saying, like, that's the mayor of Santa Barbara? And does race play at all into his candidacy at all? Yeah, well, sure. I mean, look, like, race is a it's a thing that influences how we think about the world and each other. And it's, it's always present. So it's not, I don't think, um, I don't think it goes away with good intentions. Um, But here's, here's a, here's the thing is that um, if there was a larger black community in the city and someone from that community ran for mayor, and was critical of white power in the city, you know, came, had a politics that was like, Hey, there's a problem with distribution of power or resources. And and I'm going to be a voice of the black community to, you know, help address that inequality or set I mean, they wouldn't have gotten the independence endorsement. Yeah. I mean, but so there's a, there's a, it's, it's not, it's not on James at all or his fault or anything. Um, that you know white liberal racism is as patronizingly complex as as it is but you know again just read that you read that um that editorial it's just it's so it it was like a (laughs) it was like a a, an artifact from that movie get out (laughs) you know it was just so like (laughs) that's a good movie (laughs) oh this woman is feisty and she gets things done and but she's she's real combative and but this other guy, he's so articulate and clean and he's got charisma and blah, blah. So let's have that. And um, that sucks. I mean, it sucks for James. It sucks for Kathy. It sucks for everybody. But it's very common in California politics to pit, you know, to have like, this is like, let's pit candidates or people of color against one another to get white votes. And then that game becomes how do we convince those white voters who like who's the least threatening? Um, and yeah, I mean, the, 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 um, independent article just like really spoke to that in my eyes. How do, how do you make the argument that James is not the perfect choice in a year after black lives matter and the racial reckoning, because you hear that, right. You hear from these people like, oh, well now is the time for, for someone like James, you know, he started, (laughs) You know, but it he, wasn't the time, but those it, it like Baba, it wasn't the time for Baba Tunde. Why? Because black people weren't being murdered by cops, just because people now recognize that. I, I love uh, that's Baba just Tunde. like a really weird argument. Yeah, no, uh, no, but there's this feeling of like, well, you know, even before all this, you know, he had this thing where we're going to do, you know, conversations, we're going to talk about these issues. So he's ahead of his time, right? And so, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like. What would you say to somebody who says James Joyce is African-American a year after the George Floyd murder? He's the person that should be mayor of Santa Barbara and is going to vote on that alone. I mean, I would like, what is James Joyce's policies regarding police accountability? Like what's his record on the, is it really just his skin color? It's like his experience as a black person that we want in that position that will 
what? And how is that going to translate into the policy? And so then the question is, why take out somebody who has skin in the game, has fought for police accountability, got, you know, totally railed on by the cop lobby when she ran for um, uh, for assembly? Like, why not leave her there and add James to the city council if that's a good voice to add? Oh. It's, to me, it says everything that it's about. Let me let me take out a reliable, progressive champion so that I can be mayor. And so I have the same feeling about James Joyce's candidacy as I do about Deborah Schwartz's um, or frankly, or Boat Rat Matt or any of these people, which is just like, like, I heard there's chum in the water that people don't are like, man, about Kathy. So why not me? Um, and I think that's an irresponsible way to think about politics. I think if what you're really concerned about is more people of color on the city council or putting black people on the city council, um, that's a great thing to do. But don't suddenly discover that now when it's time to take out the progressive Latina. It's not like, I mean, it's just it becomes an absurd oppression Olympics nonsense. Like because there's been too many Mexican-Americans on the Santa Barbara City Council or so now we've got to replace that one with a black person. I mean, I'm a black person. And I find that logic offensive as a, also a Santa Barbaran who, you know, looks out my window and sees what that the, 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 the racial lines of inequality in this in the city or, you know, hurts brown people, hurts Latino people. And I'm against that. So why the hell would I go and try to take out a champion of that? Like, yeah, that doesn't help black people. It's not going to keep one black person from being you know, murdered by a cop. Um, can Kathy uh, win? Can she win? Because if we look at the reverse, right? So a few years ago, four years ago, Angel Martinez, Frank Hotchkiss, Hal was a Democrat, but, you know, very much a, a moderate. And and Kathy won. Could we see the reverse this time? Yeah, you know, sure. We see, you know, and, and yeah. I guess the question is, can, I know, you don't, do predict I know yeah. you don't do predictions, but right. what's Kathy's path here? I mean, Kathy's path is just to, you know, hold on to her base mm -hmm. in a very split race. I mean, you know, yes, I hate doing this, like the, the, the handicapping and so forth, because we just don't know. But the, but, you know, the, the, again, there's, there's a, there's X number of, of voters in the electorate who want to get rid of Kathy because she's too progressive. And those voters are being courted heavily by multiple candidates. Yeah. Um, it's a progressive city. It's a democratic city. It's a city that actually does believe that police should be held accountable. It's a city that wants to make real progress on climate change. Um, and so uh, it's really all these other candidates are either hoping their path I think the 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 uh, the default there or the 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 momentum is with Kathy for re-election. The 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 path that each of these other people is trying to create is one of either, you know, right wing reaction like um, on Randy's side, or you know, let me yeah, let me be the person of the moment for completely rhetorical reasons without saying where I stand on any issues, mm -hmm. um, like James. Which, which, you know, 
not like not like another a, a very successful recent you know national level black politician well let, let me ask you a little bit about um the other races okay um particularly megan Harmon and mm. uh, nina johnson so megan Harmon was appointed first time she's on a ballot and uh you know as a journalist i mean i, I i've been accused criticized Oh, you got a thing for her because you quote her all the time. Same thing as Doss Williams, right? Right. When I was covering Doss, everybody used to blast me because Doss would get quoted, you know, in every story on everything. Megan Harmon gets quoted often because she says things. It's like she yeah. actually has points. Funny thing about that. <laughs> she <laughs> makes statements. And uh, as a journalist, you're just going to quote the people who are specific and concise and can make a point. Um, so, so, you know, she's, almost though sort of um there, there's this buzz around her like oh you know she's she's too ambitious she's she, what's she gonna do she's gonna go somewhere else oh she's just playing the game so that she can get these endorsements and really she just got here from Lompoc three years ago you know there's that whole thing can you're you friends with me? a lot of dumb assholes it seems like <laughs> who are these people <laughs> um well the thing about being a journalist is people yeah tell you things you know so, with everybody. so um what is your assessment of like sort of the the megan Harmon sort of uh you know whirlwind here in the last couple of years what well i don't know that's funny because I, I again i mean talk about a thing where sexism is playing a role i mean christ um you know heaven forbid somebody be in politics with some ambition and you know, thinking about things. Right. I don't know. I mean, to me, <laughs> she's been just this incredible, um, you know, stroke of luck because these, these appointments, man, I mean, that's how we, we got, it was the appointment system that gave us Randy Rouse to begin with. And that guy's <laughs> like a chucklehead. Um, and so here we have this like policy specific policy focused, um, inspiring, thoughtful, anti-racist, feminist, you know, pro transit, pro housing, progressive, um, that just like, yeah, popped on the scene and, um, and got appointed and has done really well. And not just that, but like helped elect other progressives to get a good majority on the council, you know, um, you know, helping elect Democrats up and down the ticket and other cycles. I mean, I just couldn't be happier with somebody. Um, I think uh, Nina Johnston is really nice. I've known her for a really long time. And I, and I don't mean that as like some kind of dismissal, like, oh, you know, she's nice. Like she's smart. She's worked for the city. Um, uh, there's no reason that she should be running against Megan Harmon. Like what is the, that's the thing is like people are like, just, they have this, I don't know, uh, high school um, city council or student council attitude about, politics that's actually quite serious and impactful in people's lives and so tell me the argument and this is what i say to nina and also my friend i haven't run into it but my friend zach pike from way back is also running in that oh that you know race. zach uh -huh. yeah yeah from from high school so he's a great guy i don't know why he's running but this is the question like why or to james joyce to any of them why should why should megan Harmon not be on the council why should kathy not be on the council why should we lose those people's votes for you that's the that's the thing that they have to convince me of. And oh, my God, are they not convincing me of that? And so so you have with Nina, like I think a person who like wants to be in city council to help make the city better and nicer and so forth. But then is like, hey, I'm not going to talk to any of the endorsing organizations. I'm not going to work with any of the community groups. I'm just going to run. And then 
you know, 40% of my money comes directly from the real estate industry. And I botch my filings tremendously and have to pay fines. And then I'm, then I'm like, Oh, but it's cause I'm not backed by the democratic party. I mean, he's just like, give me a break. Mm-hmm. You could have like, you could have started a year earlier and talking to people and, and, you know, getting engaged with the, with the organizations in the community that move, that are moving, they're doing advocacy. And that, that to me, so this is the bottom line to me about someone like James, um, and Deborah, um, who definitely know better because they've been around for a really long time and been through these processes. <laughs> Deborah was very, very happy to be dem- um, endorsed by the Democratic Party and labor groups and so forth when she ran for city council. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, she's like the independent voice of independent independence, um, <laughs> which is just absurd. So, um, but the. Here's the thing is that there are people in this community who wake up every day and either as volunteers or, you know, working for a nonprofit or an advocacy organization are like out there engaged on the issues, paying attention to how the council votes, paying attention to the policy discussions, paying attention to the relationship between the city, county and state in terms of policy and politics. And it's not like I'm saying, oh, we should just hand over politics to that echelon of insiders or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is that those groups contain or are, you know, engaged regular folks of all really of all walks of life, not whoever the independent was talking about. And those groups are doing the work, you know, 365, like all the time, not just around election time. And so when a candidate is like, I'm going to run for office. And I'm not going to go through any of the processes of any of those organizations, or I'm going to cherry pick the ones where I have friends on the board. I, I, I think that's disgusting. I mean, I think that's like a real slap in the face of the people that then they always would come around and ask for, for money and talk about how much they love the, the grassroots and their organization and so forth. But if you don't have the humility to be like, I'm not going to stand for office unless I have the support of, these community organizations, I don't think you belong in politics. You're, you belong in, in, in show business. Yeah. And it is interesting that the same people who seek the endorsement of the democratic party are also the ones who then, when they don't get it, say, you know, I'm this voice of compromise and independence. I had a dollar, man. A dollar. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, uh, and it's, and we're seeing that with all these candidates who tried, tried to get it for mayor, you know? So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, or, or didn't, I mean, Kathy got the, the, got an endorsement pretty early hmm. where there's a lot of them didn't bother because they knew from talking to members of the board or whatever, or just common sense. Like, let's see, there's a democratic incumbent mayor who like votes with the platform of the party uh, and stands up for those issues, particularly ones that, you know, nobody gave a flying fuck about 20 years ago in this community issues that, that impact working family and, families and the poor and and like you know marginalized young people all, all these the groups and issues that kathy's really you know sunk her teeth into on the council like to then turn around and be like it's not legitimate for the organizations that work on those issues to engage in politics the legitimate thing is just for me to take money from businesses and run on my you know, personality. 
it's it what a what an impoverished view of democracy that is it's very sad do you have any thoughts on what's happening with the district four race um it's very clear there and if you're a member of the democratic party snedden is endorsed by them Mm -hmm. barrett reed has a lot of developer money um what do you think of that that contest and how that's shaping up um I mean, I'm, I, I walked precincts for, for Kristen and knocked on doors and um, did my, what I could as a volunteer. Um, I definitely wish her luck. It's a, as you say, it's just like a real clear, obvious election between a, uh, a Democrat who's not in any way always reliable on the issues and just like a Republican dude. Um, and and it's a good example why, you know, people love to talk shit about the Democratic Party and, oh, the parties are bad and, you know, independence, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, the thing that I really appreciate about the local, about the local party, and this isn't true all, um, all around the state, is how based on policy and principles and, pra- and pragmatism it is in its endorsements. Like, if you look at, look at, the endorsement logic of, uh, of, of, of groups or people that somehow are seen as legitimate to weigh in in politics. You have newspapers that are literally a for-profit business mm. that the owner sits down with some of their employees and like writes a thing about politics. And we're like, oh, well, the editor said, well, I mean, mm. do we learn nothing from the news press that like newspapers are not democratic institutions? <laughs> um, so I don't give a, it's just like the indie endorsements are, I mean, it, it, they endorse Schwarzenegger. They, they've been against every uh, healthcare reform that would require them to pay healthcare insurance for their own employees. I mean, it's a fucking business and it behaves like a business. So, um, and then you have individual elected officials who are like, I'm endorsing my friend and blah, blah. And like, literally you talk to them and even ones I really like and support them and so forth. And you talk them through their logic or how they're making decisions on who to support. And it's like, well, my, our kids play little league together, or we go to the same church, this, that. I mean, I think I ranted on this last time I was on here. Point being that the democratic party locally has endorsed people who ran against our candidates who, you know, haven't been uh, always there on the issues. But if based on the field and the election, they are the best candidate for our values and the best candidate for the issues in our platform, we'll support them. So we supported um, Laura Capps, even though she wasted everybody's time and money running against Doss Williams for supervisor. Um, and we endorsed Kristen Snedd in, in for re-election because she's much much better than her opponent and um and is is with us and with the platform and with working families you know a lot of the time i don't want to beat up on Kristen too much but in my observation of her she uh um tends to she has a tendency to go back and forth on some issues the pla was an example she had supported it. And then when it came down to the consent calendar, she voted against it. She had this right. logic of, oh, I don't so want that to. seems to be, but that's like what people want more of for some reason. They're like, that's cool. I like it when politicians <laughs> like say one thing when they're running and then they sit down with some people and they flip and they change. I mean, that's horrible. It's exactly right. That it's awful. Yeah. Um, people should know that when they're vote, they should they should have a fairly good 
sense of where the politicians are going to be in votes based on when they run. And so that's why, you know, James Joyce running on hopey changey innovation is just how the hell do we know how that person's going to vote on a PLA? Did it bother you that Kristen votes at the last minute and then she loses the endorsement of labor? Um, I mean, I guess your answer is, well, she's still better than Barrett Reed, right? So yeah, yeah. But, but yes, it does bother me, but that's the point is like politics isn't about getting the perfect people you love or that you like, or that are perfect, you know, always gonna, you know, do the right thing. It's about doing the best that you can in the circumstances. And, um, and I think, but here's the thing is I think that there's something about when, if you look at the elected officials who either as activists or, you know, community advocates in their life or professionally or whatever it is, came up in the grassroots organizations or in contact with the grassroots organizations, um, get a different kind of education about what politics is than someone who, frankly, had the experience that, that um, Kristen Sandin was, did, which was like, come in late after everybody's endorsed, get the personal endorsements of like some elected officials and particularly like a group of, of community folks who were mad at the democratic party, beat the democratic party and then be independent and uh, I'm my own person. And now guess what? Look, now there's a Republican coming for you. <laughs> now you need the party, but this is, this, you know, this is why we were here in the first place. But, but what it means is that then, yes, you get this sort of methodology of instead of being like, okay, I, <laughs> They're late instead of having the understanding that the labor movement in general has a broad agenda and it's a good agenda and it's worked in other places. You have this attitude like, I have to think about everything, um, you know, based on it, the political on the political impact on me, um, very narrowly issue by issue. Um, and again, it's like we we valorize that kind of behavior and act like it, it's a sign of like political intelligence or acumen. And it's really the opposite. It's totally the opposite. Let me push back on a couple of things or, you know, yeah, I, I'm not going to say devil's advocate because these are things that I have talked about on Jerry Roberts show about Kathy. So I want to get your response is <clears throat> when you hear her in these forums, when you hear her in these debates, she sticks to her talking points. She talks about all the good things that the city has done, the votes that, that the city has taken, her actions. For example, she takes credit for the formation of the Civilian Formation Commission. Mm -hmm. She implies to somebody who's just watching that this is some idea of hers. This happened under her watch when we know that that was pushed by uh, some people in the community. And of course, she got behind it and said, this is mm -hmm. a good idea, okay? She doesn't really talk about sort of things that go wrong. She doesn't talk about litigation at City Hall. She doesn't talk about the turnover at City Hall. She doesn't acknowledge that there's been a lot of drama at City Hall. And it's more than drama. It's, you know, you know you've got people suing the city for sexual harassment. You've got turnover. You've got your city administrator who's like, oh, I'm out wait a minute, what are you doing? Why are you leaving? Um, you've got real turnover here at a time when you're the mayor. And I know it's a weak mayor system. I know that we can't look for her to be the answer to everything. But can you just talk a little bit? Is there some benefit to, to maybe her sort of talking about, hey, 
there's been a lot of problems and I would like to fix them and, and I'm not perfect, but I do the best I can. So you don't get that from Kathy. You get an A to Z list of all of her policy issues and where she stands. So can you talk a little bit like, does that bother you at all? Or is that just a journalist thing? Like you're worried about insider baseball, but no real person cares about all that detail. No, I mean, I think you're, I think people do care about parts of those things. I mean, the, certainly the stuff with city staff is very insider baseball. And I noticed, I saw that as like a weird swipe in the indie piece too, but, but is that like, is that because of Kathy? Like, is that what people think or what would a, what, what is it that they wish would be coming out of a mayor's mouth about personnel issues at city hall? I mean, that just seems weird, but um the but if if people want to hear that uh you know an acknowledgement of challenges or an acknowledgement of difficulties and it makes the explanation of what's been done more credible i mean that's fine that's legitimate that, that seems like reasonable uh, you know political communication strategy um I don't, it's hard for me to relate to because I don't have this sense as a citizen, as a resident of Santa Barbara, that like everything's on, you know, on fire at city hall and it's, a, it's all a mess. And I just don't have that sense. I mean, I have a sense that the world is a freaking mess um, and the city and County have been doing, you know, the best they can to address it. Now I do know, um, you know, kind of more from knowing people who work in the city and so forth that, you know, there, there are a lot of structural ch- issues going on in the city as a sort of as a workplace and as an entity. Um, so I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of rambling, I guess, like you probably would be good and that would be good advice. And she's listening now and then I would put it as advice, like, mm-hmm. go ahead, take the bull by the horns and talk about those things, Kathy. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Sure. The other thing is is vaccines. Okay, uh, she said recently that you know the labor groups don't want the vaccines. Um, she's had to look them in the eye on the ground and hear stories about how difficult it would be for that person for their personal reasons to get a vaccine. So she's hesitant to require city hall or not. I mean, she's the just the mayor, but she's right. hesitant to take the leadership on that to say, hey, mandatory vaccines for all city employees. Um, you're a science dude, right? I imagine you're. I'm absolutely for mandatory vaccines. So is something like that, that. I mean, is it reasonable to say, come on, Kathy, high school kids got to get the vaccine. I think we can make people who work for the city or members of labor groups get a vaccine. Is that not reasonable? No, I mean, I, I mean, I guess. So here's the thing is, I think that's eminently reasonable. That's politics. I support vaccine mandates. I would get up in the grill of any elected official who was being weaselly about it. We saw that it's, it, it's um, city college, right? Yeah. Um, where, where, you know, <laughs> they're re- let's just say registered Democrats on that board who had very bad <laughs> positions on it. Um, so it's never that I'm like, Hey, vote for Kathy because she's automatically going to take the same position I do on everything. Um, if she's being, I haven't heard what well, you just said. I hadn't heard yet. Yeah. And heard, but if she's being at all, yeah, hesitant about vaccine hesitancy, then by all means, let's push her. But so the she, idea is, of course, no one's perfect. Is, she's still better than Randy Rouse, though. She's where are the better. other people on that issue? Yeah. Well, Randy's, I mean, I think James is, has, has called for vaccinations for 
city employees, but brandy is sort of like it's a personal freedom kind of thing and people should well, then, there you go and it's so yeah <laughs> i want i i want to ask you i don't know if you're going to comment but alejandro gutierrez council member gutierrez endorsed by the democratic party came out in tyler hayden's story in the independent basically like endorsing nina and having some very strong negative words for megan Harmon. i don't know if you saw yeah. that article or I did. Not, but does that how do you react to that as as as, as a somebody who's like helped Alejandro Gutierrez get elected. And then you see this happening, playing out in public. What is your response to that? I don't have anything. I mean, I don't, I'm just a guy now. Remember, mm-hmm. like, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not even on my, on the local uh, democratic central committee right now. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely, it's like an issue that the elected leaders, the current leadership of the party have to deal with when mm-hmm. these kinds of things um, come out, because it is, I think the expectation of movement, that people are going to support the other folks that the other candidates that the party supports um, for all kinds of reasons. But, you know, so, but let me get, let me just go back to the, what I was saying before, when you leave it up to politicians and at the end of the day, even though it's a city council and it's the first thing she's ever been on at this point, Alejandra is a politician. And when you leave it up to individual politicians to decide on, who gets support and who gets endorsed. It's always, always like filled with sub- subjective interpersonal um, and, and, and the personal and personal ambitions and strategy of those individual politicians. Um, and, and that's why we sh- you shouldn't listen to them. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to be rude about it, but it's why, or at the very least is why you should take those kinds of things with a grain of salt. Um, the, and, and look at like, you know, the, the party, the uh, uh, community organizations, environmental organizations, feminist organizations, labor groups, you know, a whole, whole range of organizations that are, when they work right at least, are going to be making these, uh, uh, these decisions or these recommendations based purely on, pol- on like moving a policy agenda. Um, and um, yeah, because I, I didn't, that's, Alejandra's critique of Megan was not particularly policy oriented. Um, yeah. So let me, let me ask you this just in terms of the, the, the narrative, right? There's some people who say, Oh, the party's too powerful. Do you think if we had a stronger Republican party that was actually trying to groom and create new leaders that were, could appeal to moderates in this town that you'd be more, or the party would be more appreciated because I sort of feel like the party gets a lot of criticism for being king and queen makers, right? And then if you're not part of that group, then, oh, then you're sort of criticized forever as not being not being somebody who's So can I just say, look, can I just point out, yeah. I just gave two examples, right? I mean, I'm not arguing with you. I know yeah. that you're, you're quoting others, but it's like, we literally just endorsed two candidates that have publicly, in the last two cycles, that have like publicly shit all over the party and run against our <laughs> candidates. Because they were better candidates than the people. So it's just not true that the Democratic Party locally is some kind of clique or um, that it's all about it's interpersonal. And in fact, and this is why I think the local media has had such trouble reporting on it, because they, they can't conceptualize that there could be an organization that's actually, you know, agenda and values driven. It's got to be about Duraka's ego and this personal stuff, because it's just that's the bias of journalism that you, you and I have talked about before that is of like turning things into personal narratives 
despite the context. And so, um, so the, but the party really is, I mean, it's like, you should, you can talk to other board members and you'll see that there really is a culture on the board at this point of that kind of dogged pragmatism, but also discussion among activists about like, well, but, but then what do we do? Like, what do we do to make sure that the candidates that we endorse follow through? Like, we need to be better about that and have a more systematic engagement with the elected officials in between elections. Um, but the, uh, but, oh, but to, to your question, I do think that a stronger, some stronger, more explicitly conservative force in Santa Barbara politics would, would take some of that criticism and heat off. Yes. Um, because often what the party is up against is something more of a shibboleth, like uh, a an aw shucks, apolitical kind of conservatism like Randy Rouse's, right? Mm-hmm. Or an alliance that includes um, real arch, hardcore right-wing reactionaries um, like Dale Francisco, but then also these like independent businessy, you know, I wear cargo shorts, get but i hate the homeless kind of folks right so when it was an alliance of that it was also kind of hard for to make them the foil because we'd be like we've got to beat these conservatives people like but they're just they're civic-minded nice people not conservative so it's like who the and and conservative forces business interests who want to keep you know wages low um yeah all the people that are just have these punitive uh, attitudes towards um, people experiencing homelessness, um, anti-immigrant groups. Um, these kinds of forces in a place like Santa Barbara, you know, very rarely like come out and organize in their own name. They're always like part of a, a, a larger, because it's a democratic city. So they're, they're always smuggling their shit in, um, so to speak. Um, and if it was more outright, it would be, it'd be easier for us to, um, you know, make a partisan case uh, without controversy. Um, but but it, it's exactly in a community like this, I think that uh, a real organized democratic party that's really values driven is really important because otherwise then you do get um, a, a kind of tyranny of, um, uh, yeah, supposedly moderate, um, forces that you know are really aligned with powerful economic interests in the city. All right. Well, you know, I think we covered a lot, Draka. I appreciate your time. I think that you know, I'll tell anybody who who doesn't who makes critical comments of you that you know you can disagree with him, fine. But you know, you you really you're super intelligent on these issues. You you put in the work. You Thanks. put in the time. You know, you grew up on the Ladera apartments, you know, on the West side, you, you aren't some, some thinker here who decided to move into the community and tell us all what we should think and should feel, you know, you grew up here and you have a lot of opinions and perspectives based on, on real life. And sure, there's always going to be people who don't like, you know, your style and all that, but I don't think there's anyone who can say that you're not smart and informed and knowledgeable on the issue. So I always appreciate you taking the time to 
to talk to me. And of course, you know, as you know, you know, you, you always make me a little smarter every time we talk. So yeah. I appreciate well, thanks, it. Josh. And thanks for doing yeah. this. Thanks for doing the podcast and keeping people informed. Yeah. Okay. Take care. Thank you. You too.